I love that little hand. I teach them to worship. I love it. That's great. Uh, today we turn in Scripture as we move into this remembrance of this Passion Week, the life of our Lord leading up to the cross and His resurrection, celebrated next Lord's Day. And aren't you glad that we get to celebrate the resurrection every Lord's Day now? Every Sunday is a remembrance of the risen Lord. I tried to pick a passage today that would reflect the crucifixion of our Lord and its purpose and in redemption as a substitutionary atonement for you and me. And guess what? Even from the events themselves recorded in the Gospels, I came up with one more explicit. And that is Psalm 22. This psalm um, is so very detailed in so many ways concerning the crucifixion of our Lord. And so therefore, as David writes this psalm, he writes it remembering uh, the promise to him that there would be one on his throne forever who would bring redemption. And so David writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Hear then the word of God to you concerning the death of Christ and His victory years before the events ever took place. Listen then to the revelation of the resurrection and the hope of Christ as was revealed to David as a prophet of God. My God, my God. You're going to remember this, aren't you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. This is what they say. He trusts in the Lord. Let Him deliver him. Let Him rescue him, for He delights in him. Yet you are He who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. 
You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Then there's a change, and I want you to notice the victorious change that takes place exactly right here that we oftentimes omit when we talk about the crucifixion. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel. For He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And He has not hidden His face from Him. But has heard when He cried to Him, For for from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform with those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. And He rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before Him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That he has done it. Or more literally translated, it is finished. Amen. I wonder where we have heard that before. May God be praised and honored. And I tell you, it is a humbling thing to uh, look upon the crucifixion and the shame and the violence and the reaction of sinners against our Lord Jesus Christ as He was crucified. I hope that the Lord will give you a, a sense of all of that as you... Uh, you continue to look at what the Lord has done for you. That the foundation that uh, you and I rest upon is a foundation on which we as Christians, as sinners, trust in the One, the Son of God, who loved us and gave Himself for us in order that we might be forgiven. The Lord took our place. That which you read about Christ and what He suffered in Scripture, remember that that is what we deserved. All the more. <laughs> and, uh, and however, uh, when you read about the crucifixion of the Lord, 
I don't know about you, but uh, it it somewhat shocks my soul that that Jesus went through what he went through, that he was innocent, but yet he was crucified in the most cruel fashion that was born uh, out of out of the Mongolian Empire of crucifixion. Um, remember in Psalm 22 that crucifixion is not known at this point in David's kingdom, and yet he writes so poignantly about a crucifixion. It's quite interesting. It was very cool because it was to make a person uh, suffer to the fullest length of the possibility of keeping them alive. And that, that was the purpose of crucifixion, to keep them alive and to make them suffer to the point that their death was welcomed. And so, um, however, I don't know, when you think about that, again, in my heart rises, Lord, you, you mean you had to go through that for me? And the answer is yes. Lord, help me to absorb the reality of that, that you gave yourself for me in order that I might be forgiven of my sins. That the Lord purchased our redemption at the cross by the shedding of His blood. But oftentimes, I don't know about you, but we sometimes leave it there, don't we? We skip over and we go to the resurrection. And praise God, on the third day the Lord was raised. But what I want you to see, what was the Lord thinking as He was being crucified? What was on His mind and heart? And you don't have that fully in in the Gospels. You have the events taking place. You have the seven sayings on the cross, which we know what he was thinking. But do you know where I found the thoughts of Jesus upon the cross? Psalm 22. David writes, and when he writes, he writes in such a way that prophetically you realize that this psalm is messianic. And you hear the Lord Himself speaking with regard to what He is thinking. And, uh, you know, uh, lest we uh, think that that is not possible, there's been a lot of discussion about how in the world could this uh, psalm be so specific and so detailed and so messianic. And Peter, in his sermon, gives us the answer to that in, in Acts chapter 2. And he says this in the sermon. Make sure I'm at the right place. Acts 2.29, he's preaching the sermon uh, to uh, the Sanhedrin. And he says, Brethren, uh, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and the tomb is with us to this day. And he's referring to Psalm 22 that the psalm could not have been referring to him. Because he's died and his tomb is still with us. And he goes on to say in the sermon, And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne, listen to this one, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. My dear friends, listen from the sermon of Peter. You have an expression of what takes place in Psalm 22. That what David was a prophet and he spoke of that one that God was going to put on the throne that was his descendant. 
that it was Jesus. And he points and it says, and he spoke of his what? Not his simply his death. But what does Peter say? And he spoke of the resurrection. That is the victory that Jesus accomplished at Calvary. And sometimes that's what we leave undone. Many of us may think that Jesus went to the cross and was so humiliated that He completely suffered defeat at the cross. And I say to you, no, if you read all of Psalm 22, it's divided into two parts. The two parts is His suffering, and the other parts is the proclamation of His victory and His resurrection. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, and that makes up Psalm 22. So Jesus did not go to the cross of Calvary defeated. When Jesus went to the cross, He went to the cross victorious. Quite the opposite. I was thinking about uh, this particular psalm as Jesus suffered. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to to look at the things that Jesus was thinking. It's divided in this way. The first section of the suffering of Christ, it's very interesting that, that our Lord speaks about His condition and then He prays. He speaks about His condition and He prays. He speaks about His condition And he prays again. And he's reminded, guess what he's thinking about this whole time? He's thinking about the Old Testament. And his thoughts are surrounded how God has graciously dealt with his people. And he's crying out to his father to deal graciously with him. And it's very fascinating as you begin to take a look at this. One of the things I initially found in this particular manner was that Jesus um, himself, in many ways, when he was going to the cross to be crucified that day, I find that over and over again, the thoughts of Jesus were about others. Have you noticed that in terms of the crucifixion? Um, he is carrying the cross after having been beaten and shredded, and the crown of thorns on his head, and he's having to drag his own cross of crucifixion to Golgotha. And the women cry out. And and what does he say? He says to these women who are crying, he says, don't cry for me. Cry for your children in terms of the evil that is to come. Cry out for your children. Man, Suffering beyond comparing, he's thinking as these women are there, concerned for their generations of children. And then he, he finally comes to the cross and they are, they are nailing him to the cross. And what are his thoughts? Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. The nails going into his hands and his heart of righteousness. 
cries out in prayer for those who are actually crucifying. They know not what they do. And then thump. The cross is put into the ground among two others. And Jesus is very near death. And so are they. He turns to the one after their conversation on the cross. <laughs> How was that to being preached to getting what you deserve? Don't you fear God or man? We're getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, in all of his bloodiness, and all of his suffering, turns and says, Today, you shall be with me in paradise. My dear friends, what was Jesus thinking? Well, all down the line, he seems to be thinking about others. And then finally, just before his death, do you remember the conversation? Woman, behold your son. Man, behold your mother. He, even at his dying breaths, speaks to John and to Mary about the care that they should have for each other. The Lord thinking about others. But that's the heart of the substitutionary atonement, isn't it? Our Lord went to the cross uh, being mindful of those to whom He was going to the cross to purchase redemption. And I must say I'm offended by the gospel uh, that simply says that Jesus went to the cross and shed His blood for the possibility of salvation in order it be left up to the individual to choose whether they accept Christ or not. I have trouble with that because I do not believe that my Lord's blood was shed in the way that it was shed for just possibilities. Amen? The blood of our Lord was shed for the sins of His people that the Lord God had given Him. Now, that doesn't excuse us from ever preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ universally. Amen? The Lord knows who are His, not me. Amen? The Lord knows who are His, not me. Simply a servant to proclaim the gospel universally. But we know that His blood was shed for His own. And then when you come to this Psalm 22, about noon, uh, everything is darkened. The conversation is over into thy hands. I commit my spirit. And he cries out there, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There is a sense in which there is a, a, a time in which our Lord experiences that which Isaiah 53 proclaims that it pleased the Lord to lay the sins of us all upon Him. And in the laying of our sins upon Him, there was a turning of the back of our Father on Him for that time in the enduring of the cross for our sins. He was not abandoned. 
He was not abandoned. And you find various expressions of the sense of bearing the weight of our sins that separates us from God laid upon Him and now Him experiencing that separation and making the just payment. Now the difference in our shedding our blood for our sins and paying for our sins in that He was the righteous one, the righteous servant, the righteous shepherd from God the Father. And as He, our sins were laid upon Him, He was the righteous one. And by the way, what is He thinking upon the cross? He cries out to God to remember righteousness. Listen. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? And we hear the words, but what is going on beneath that? And all of a sudden now... You are given the very thoughts of the Lord at the cross. Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. You begin to sense it? Hear hear the Lord. Oh my God, I cry by day, but thou dost not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. He's calling now. Remember the times that he went to the Lord and communed with God in prayer? Now he's calling out to God and what's happening? He's, God's not answering. He's crying out to God for deliverance. And he doesn't get a response. You imagine the fellowship that he always knew. The unity that he always knew. Now he prays in the bearing of our sin. And there's not an answer. But he continues to do so. He continues to call, call out in righteousness. Remember that. Even as He died upon Calvary's cross, He cried out to His Father in righteousness. And He remembers, O Thou who art enthroned upon the praises of Israel, in Thee, He goes back and remembers the Father. Our fathers trusted in You and You were faithful to them. They trusted and Thou didst deliver them. But our our fathers were sinners and they cried out to You and You delivered them. And to thee they cried out and were delivered. In thee they trusted and were not disappointed. Do you hear the prayer of our Lord? He's remembering how God has graciously dealt with His people. And then He moves uh, to an expression of His suffering. But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head saying, Mocking him, commit thyself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. And the remarkable thing about this passage is that that mockery is in quotes. It's the very exact words that they said unto him while being crucified. And it is found in Psalm 22. Hundreds of years before it ever took place was David a prophet. Pointing to the resurrection. You better believe it. How marvelous our God is and how marvelous is the God you worship this morning. Through the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How marvelous is He is. He is not going to abandon His Son. But God is holy and cannot look upon sin. And He was our sin bearer. And this is the expression of His heart going through that time of separation of bearing our sins.
But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head saying, commit thyself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. The incredible thing that I thought through this in the life of Jesus as he moves through this Passion Week. Um, He's not only denied by Peter, but his disciples are scattered when he is arrested. And then he is put through numerous trials in order to hasten his conviction uh, with the Sanhedrin accused there. And then he finally ends up where in Pilate's court. And then Pilate, I just I was going to preach on that, uh, where Pilate says, what is truth? And the question mark, truth, from Pilate, and then the response, true truth, exclamation point. That was going to be the other sermon. And I thought about this conversation with Pilate. You would have no authority except it be given to you. A message that ought to be preached clearly today. And he goes out before the crowd and he says, I find no fault in him. And think about what the people choose. I'm going to be generous today, Pilate says. The release of one during the feast. All people, they choose Barabbas over Jesus. Now, the hatred in sin must be very intense spiritually. To even think that. They are willing to choose Barabbas over Jesus. And that's what we do in our sin. We choose the world rather than Christ. Pray, Lord, have mercy upon us. Deliver us from the sinfulness of our sin that we might have the heart to accept you and what you've done for us. And uh, verse 9 moves forward. Yet thou art he who dost bring me forth from the womb. He, he goes back and remembers his birth. And I love this about the life of Jesus. Thou didst make me trust when upon my mother's breast. <laughs> I love how, how did Jesus manage when he was just a little bitty one? Uh, you know, I mean, up until that age where he How in the world did he maintain? And here Jesus tells you. He says, Lord, it was you. From You took me out of my mother's womb. Uh, Lord, it was you who took care of me at my mother's breast. It was you who watched over me. Thou hast been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. Do you hear it? Do you hear Jesus praying? Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. One of the elements that we mentioned that as Jesus came closer and closer to the cross, He was more and more separated out, wasn't He? More and more isolation because He was the one that had to go to the cross and bear it alone. And you have it here, Jesus reflecting on that. Be not far from Me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded Me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and a roaring lion. Uh, I don't think that that roaring lion mentioned is uh, by coincidence to refer to the spiritual reality that is going on. And guess who's at the center of it? 
of all this hostility. Satan himself. I am poured out like water. Now this description of what Jesus experienced, he's describing to you what was going on within and without. I am poured out in verse 14 like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. Man, can you imagine David writing this under the inspiration of the Spirit and how specific with regard not only to the nature of the crucifixion, but what one experiences when they are crucified. And here you are given as God's people not only the description of it, but you're given the heart of the thoughts of one who is suffering it. Man, that's incredible. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And thou didst lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and they stare at me while I'm dying. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them and for my, my, my clothing they cast lots. And let me ask you, has David been right up to this point with regard to the historical details? Has, has David the prophet been right of all the details of the crucifixion of Jesus to this point? Yes and amen. Matter of fact, you will find it no poignant, poignant in anywhere in Scripture than Psalm 22. Isn't that amazing? That the very heart description of the crucifixion is laid out for you in the Old Testament. <laughs> Again, hundreds of years before the event ever took place. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. And then he goes on and he says, But thou... Verse 19 is, 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 but thou, O Lord, be not far off. Lord, I'm, I'm going through this and I've not heard from you. Suffering these, but Lord, be not far away. Don't, don't be far away. Remember that the Father did not turn his back on the Lord forever. We forget that. Be thou, O Lord, be not far off. O thou my help, hasten to my assistance. And I love those words in the light of the crucifixion. Lord, come to my help. He's praying. He's praying the whole time. Deliver my soul from the sword. My only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth. And from the horns of the wild oxen, thou dost answer me. Lord, remember Daniel? He he was... thrown into a lion's den. And he he cried out to you. And you in your righteousness delivered him and shut the mouth of the lion. Father, I'm being devoured. Lord, would you remember in your righteousness. And guess what? He did. He did remember His Son. 
The darkness was very dark. But oh, how the light is going to be very bright (laughs) because of the love of the Father. Lord, be not far from me. O thou my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver me, my soul, from the sword. My only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. Thou dost answer me. And then the transition. I, I love the sense. It's almost the same transition where the Lord was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and there were sweat drops of blood. Lord, let this, let this pass from me, but nevertheless thy will be done. And then when he comes away from that prayer, he seems to have an assurance because you remember what happens? And angels came and ministered to him. You remember that? And all of a sudden you find in verse 22 this this change from all of this suffering and the picture. He says, I will tell of thy name to my brethren. Father, I'm going to declare your name to my brothers. The ones you gave me. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it in victory. And I'm going to do it in assurance. And I'm going to do it in fullness. And the Father heard His prayers. Raised Him from the dead on the third day, showing approval of the sacrifice that He had made. And being raised in glory and honor. All authority has been given unto Me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore into all the world, proclaiming the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, here now the resurrection of the Lord in the results of it. And lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. And I love this victorious. Now, if you'll permit me, I'm just going to read these last verses of his victory. But I don't want you to forget that Jesus Christ was not defeated at Calvary. Our Lord, He kept, Peter says, and he, while being reviled, He did not revile in return while being insulted. He did not return insult. There was no deceit found in His mouth. But He kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. <laughs> Jesus, your Savior, was faithful. He was faithful to you. He did not turn away. The victory of our Lord. I will tell of thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise thee. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify Him. And stand in awe of Him, all you descendants of Israel. For He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither had he has he hid his face from him. The Lord did not hide his face forever. But when he cried to him for help, I love this one. But when he cried to him for help, it just simply says this in the Hebrew He heard. <laughs> I love it. He heard. He heard his son. And he accepted what His Son had done. And now these verses, From Thee comes my praise in the great assembly. Where is the Lord Jesus now? 
seated at the right hand of the Father in the great assembly. (laughs) And here's Psalm 22 saying that it's going to happen. The Lord says to you, From thee comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise him. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. So I tell you this morning, if you have not turned to the Lord, there will come a day indeed when you will. For every knee will bow and every tongue will confess before Him that He is Lord. And here you have it in Psalm 22. The victory of our Lord. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before thee. For the kingdom, uh oh, about the kingdom, for the kingdom is the Lord's. The Lord is my shepherd. The kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat in worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before Him. All those who die and go down to the dust shall bow before Him and worship Him. Isn't that amazing? Even he who cannot keep his soul alive, posterity will serve Him, the Lord. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. That is, the gospel will be preached to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation of His victory and His glory. They will come and will declare His righteousness to a people who will be born. That what? That He has performed it. And the Lord bowed His head. And He knew that all that the Scriptures spoke concerning Him was now complete. My dear friends, it is finished said Jesus. But David said it also explicit that he accomplished it and he finished it. My prayer is that the Lord Himself, risen victorious, will be with you always. That there will never be a time in which you will not know His presence or His comfort. For this world can bring us all kinds of things and it's sin, can it? May the Lord have mercy upon us. And as we cry out to Him in His name, may you know in your life that it is finished also. That you are the Lord's and you belong to Him. He belongs to you. May the Lord be with us and help us in these days. Amen. Don't you love Psalm 22? Isn't it amazing? Don't you think for one minute that Jesus went to the cross in His humiliation, in defeat. He kept entrusting Himself, even in His circumstances, to the One who judges righteously. You do the same by His help and grace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this passage of Scripture. Psalm 22 is amazing, Lord. Um. And then we see that, that the great shepherd redeeming us in Psalm 22. And we look at Psalm 23 and we see the great shepherd uh, leading us. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. 
And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, how we love Your Psalms when they speak of You and tell us of Your mind. Give us ears to hear, Lord, and hearts to receive. And Lord, help us to humble ourselves in the light of such glorious uh, revelation and in such glorious redemption. How shall we escape? The writer of Hebrews says, if we neglect so great a salvation. Be with us, Lord. Help us to walk with your Son and He with us. In Jesus' name I do pray. For His sake. Amen.